Hey, this is Daniel Waters, the, the, the screenwriter of Batman Returns, and you're listening to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. Max Shrek was never Harvey Dent. Stop reading the internet and watch these guys only. Welcome to another special interview episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know. This is once again Ben, and with me is my co-host. Andrew, everybody. Guess <laughs> who's here? Yes, it is the 30th anniversary of Batman Returns. We have a very special guest who introduced himself at the top of the episode. Screenwriter responsible for giving us the versions of Penguin and Catwoman that so many of us in our audience actually adore. Contrary to what you probably, the response you got probably in 1992. And, and hate, uh, and, and hate, and hate. Yes, uh, <laughs> and giving us such fantastic lines like mistletoe can be deadly when you eat it. Daniel Waters, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you. Glad to be here. Took me 30 years to come out of hiding. <laughs> the, 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 the movie's finally getting the respect it deserved. It took 12 Batman movies to kind of... <laughs> yeah. kind of for people to understand that every Batman movie doesn't have to be the same, but yeah, when yeah. there were only two or only three, it got people angry. Yeah, yeah. Well, mm. I think what's I think a big part of that is the fact that the uh, we're now the you know a lot of us are now the generation where that formed our perception of the characters. It wasn't just like oh, this interferes with what I think of Penguin and Catwoman. When that's like your first Penguin and Catwoman. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. I mean, my, I my first penguin was well. It was very funny because you know the first penguin that Tim and I experienced was Burgess Meredith, of course, and and we could never figure him out. We, and so people think we got it wrong that this crazy gangster, this ordinary aristocratic gangster, but we actually thought he was mutated. We thought there was something wrong with him. So mm -hmm. I think I think we didn't think we were changing it that much. But of course we were. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I we'll get into this a little bit later, but I, I would argue that like it was getting away from like the superficial aspects of how he talked and getting more to the core of the character in a sense that there is still a history of Penguin as an outcast. There is a, a history of him being ostracized for how he looked. And so that that carried through into that that spirit, I felt so. Oh, cool. Cool. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, we'll dive in further, but uh, we're diving into the secrets of the Batman Returns scripts. Oh, Jesus. Giving <laughs> <laughs> us all the dirt. Yes. Oh, yeah. You guys like these big headlines. Yeah, all right. Yes, like we do. Them. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, of course, you and I met at the uh, wonderful 30th anniversary uh, <laughs> event there. And uh, I was fortunate to get your autograph on my Oswald Cobblepot for mayor banner on that uh, i know that you said that that was uh, the best audience you've seen that movie with i hope you were <laughs> i hope it's true i was at it's absolutely true i think mm -hmm. i mean we've had some i've seen it with good the, the premiere audience was good but everybody was more in awe of the movie they were silent about it there was and then when i went and saw it like the friday it opened and the weeks it opened i was mm -hmm. plagued by like not everyone was digging it, and it's not a movie you cheer. We don't blow up the Death Star. Or we don't do any mm. of these. We don't do any of these crazy True. climactic. Yes, Batman <laughs> did it. <laughs> oh True. yes, it's three people arguing about them having an emotional argument. Yeah, the ending <laughs> we want. Um, so it was not a cheery movie, but but like I said, it's taken thirty years to scare away. 
scare away the haters and like that audience was great everybody got it Mm -hmm. it was it was definitely it's definitely a land of misfit toys kind of version of um batman and it was definitely a misfitty audience i thought they Mm -hmm. i think they wore their batman returns love with pride like they 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 wouldn't come out for christopher nolan these people i think Right. I mean, today of this recording is literally the anniversary of The Dark Knight, and I'm not watching or rewatching that movie. I'm here talking to you about this because I care because a lot more we, about this. Because we all saw The Dark Knight ten times when it came out. We, <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't need it doesn't need revisionist love. So I, I saw a screening of I saw a screening of The Dark Knight Rises. It was at the Universal IMAX. It was a special pre-release screening with Christopher Nolan speaking. I'll never forget because is that the one where he did the whole well, yeah, we'll yeah, story, yeah 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 <laughs> you know all my stories but yeah it was still still traumatizing um that he had to pick on Batman Returns and the audience is nodding with him yes yes fuck fuck that movie fuck that <laughs> for, movie for those oh, who don't know God. the story what specifically was was said um well the 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 moderator had the nerve to ask well what do you think of Tim Burns movies Batman movies. <laughs> It's like, well, I found things to like about the first one. Not the second one. <laughs> I didn't know this story, actually. The first one had excellent production design. Not the second one. I like sure, what they... exactly like that. <laughs> well, uh, the guy doesn't speak in contractions. He Everything's full words. And That's he's true. That's true. He just slowly strangled me, and I'm like, you know, beat a sweat pulling down my, you know... And I've also heard David Goyer punch me in public too. So, you know, I did everything wrong. We, Tim and I did everything wrong. We did, we didn't follow the ethos, but we were naive. It was before, like, I think I said on, on that Saturday, it was before the internet. Like we didn't know that we had to go through before a tribunal of fans to mm. make sure we answer all their questions before we come up with a conception of the, uh, our take on it. Yeah. Like we naively thought, Everyone gets a take, you know. Everyone does a Batman movie gets to put their own imprint on it. But um, true, true. Though I mean, to fit into the theme of resurgence, I don't know if you heard. Matt Reeves is a big fan of Batman. Matt movie. Reeves is my man. <laughs> He's our man. I love Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves and Robert Pattinson have been very, <laughs> very good at kissing the ring. Kissing <laughs> the ring. Those guys. Those guys. I love and I and I love the I love the movie quite. I like Batman quite a bit too, and mm. not just because I heard how much they like Batman Returns. But he, <laughs> Matt Matt Reeves gets it. Not every Batman movie has to be the same. Mm-hmm. Like. And, it's just you know it's just like we don't like i was in all my films like um i like movies where a person can sit down and watch it and everyone in the audience can have a different experience with it i think most marvel movies they're good but we all have the same experience we all have the same amount of joy and excitement we all come out saying yes that was good that oh that was fun oh when that happened we enjoyed it with even with my movie Heather's, with Batman Returns, with Demolition Man, it hits people different ways, and I, I like that. That it, not everyone's gonna, not everyone's gonna like it. Not everyone's gonna, not everyone's gonna like the same thing. Everything people are gonna respond to different things because not everything is spelled out for you. Not everything is. You're not told how to feel. It's not like mm-hmm. done by committee where every precise effect has been tested and and and. 
and calibrated. Like it, it, Batman Returns is just it, it's a me- it's a, I'll admit it's a mess, but but uh, <laughs> but you know the plotting is not my favorite. And you know they brought in we ended up bringing Wesley Strick, which I'm sure you'll get to because you're you're going for the deep cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, <laughs> you know it, uh, I I do what I do. I'm an old shoe cobbler. I like to. <laughs> I like to create wild characters. And and we love those characters. So uh, I guess we can go and backtrack with um, sort of how this all started. So Andrew's got the first question on okay. this. Okay. So from our research, you got attached to Batman Returns from knowing producer Denise DeNovi. And after you previously met Tim Burton for a pitch on a Beetlejuice sequel, could you tell us how that first meeting went with Burton and what you remember from your pitch for Beetlejuice 2. Was this Beetlejuice in the White House, Beetlejuice in Hawaii? Yes, this was Beetlejuice. I was the first person to come up with the great idea of Beetlejuice in the White House, and not much else. Okay. Like, it was kind of a half <laughs> it was It was kind of a half-assed meeting. It was like, like I had this conception of Beetlejuice in the White House, but it was more, it was more a meeting for Denise wanted us to meet. Denise was the producer of Heather's, so, and she knew I was a fan of Tim's and Tim was a fan of mine. So she just wanted to meet and ostensibly in the most vaguest of ways, it was about talking about Beetlejuice. But uh, as I would find out about many things, Tim was not entirely into doing um, uh, a film about Beetlejuice too. So I, I could, <laughs> I could, I could feel the, the the sogginess in the room from the minute I walked in, like, sure, White House, okay, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> but we ended up talking about other movies. Um, you know, he's definitely a, you know, he's definitely a film scholar, and like, and and I go deep on movies, and we talk about Fellini and things like that, and um, and other filmmakers, and so it ended up more being a general meeting, but. I think we had the same sense of humor and like, and for kind of the, the withdrawn little troll man, he puts himself out to be, he can be very funny and sharp and he's got a great laugh. And I compare him to Bjork where Bjork is like, when you, when they talk about Bjork, when Bjork is like doing interviews, she's like, Oh, I'm a crazy person. I, I like my things. But then she, when she gets in the studio, she's like, I went 12 DBs down this way. And like, you know, she knows. And Tim, Tim is also like knows his stuff. And he, he's, he's very, he's more shrewd than he lets himself let it on to be. You can't just be weird. You have to <laughs> right. know your yeah. shit as well. Yeah. 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 There's <laughs> a lot of Tim Burns in basements around the country who are not going to be going on a set anytime soon. Right, right, right. Yeah. Right. Very true. Very true. Uh, so moving further into the development, we know that Warner Brothers mandates it's got to be Penguin, it's got to be Catwoman, because those are the villains that you know from Batman '66, and you know your your main job is to sort of reimagine them in a way that Tim is actually interested in, in making and putting millions of dollars on the line to make. Um, one question that I had, and I'm curious if you've seen these around the internet before, but even though you know, you're very much on record saying, you know, you went more on your own vision than on the comics. There are a lot of connections to the comics. We've got the, we got Jimmy, the hideous penguin boy up here, but uh, that's not the comic I was pulling up. Um, we've got penguin using a giant gift before a crime as part oh, of their shit, Batman okay. online. 
this is all this is all going to be a shock to me like and (laughs) and i heard and i heard there's a batman tv episode about him running for mayor which yeah, I have no idea about. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. Yeah, and then this other one I've got is is penguin using penguins with. No, what? This is re- this is this is a lie. You went back in time. <laughs> <laughs> it took the DeLorean. Um, and then we've also got uh, Selena lying in an alley before becoming Catwoman uh, a couple years before. Obviously, a very different context in the, in the comic, but the similar uh image i'm not sure if that was uh wow. that was something that, that came out a little earlier before compared to the the classic classic ones i just showed you but uh i, I think your reaction tells me the answer to this in terms of, like was there influence from any oh of the other comics or is this all just one weird coincidental thing where just following the spirit of the character you sort of found stuff that just i mean listen the, the the frank miller dark knight returns is is was a very meaningful artifact to me. I think it's one of the great pop culture mm-hmm. artifacts of our century or of mm-hmm. our the last hundred years. And mm-hmm. and I worship that. I was disappointed when the first Batman wasn't anything like that. And so like I did want that kind of scale and breadth, but but like I knew we weren't going to do a an adaptation of that. But that's that's the feel I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I it ended up being less that than going into Tim Burton, Burton world. But um, yeah, no, no. Well, for, well, for, yeah, first of all, like I was on working on the great film Hudson Hawk in Rome. My career was just on top of the world. What could go wrong with this movie? Um, and, <laughs> but yeah, then I, and it, it, the, the shooting went on forever. They didn't really need me or they needed another writer that they never got. Um, and we have Hudson Hawk lives in history today as one of the worst films ever made, although it has its following anyway. But I was called back to LA because t- for Tim wanted to ha- hear my take on Batman, Batman on doing a C- Batman sequel. So it's not like I had the job, mm-hmm. but, but you know, it's like, but I had to come in and he didn't tell me anything. <laughs> of course he just wanted to hear my thoughts and i and i did have pretty much soup to nuts what catwoman is today like that storyline was my storyline that's what i pitched him and like in the homemade element of it the homemade of her making her own costume and everything like that and you can tell when tim responds to something he's just like okay that's that's it that's it this is almost like shut up now it's not like shut up you got it now it's mine and let me <laughs> let, let, let me put my burnt magic on it and he had this drawing of the, the 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 penguin boy that you pointed out he had a bunch of drawings like that and it was kind of like you know i think even more than him himself who did the drawings I'm the one who said, well, why don't we, why I pushed him that little inch and say, well, why don't we just make the penguin that like make the penguin go full mutant, go full retard, go, I mean, go full mutant on the penguin and like make it, you know, not make, because we had, we were confused by Burgess Meredith. We were confused by the penguin character. God forbid we opened up all the comic books and start reading to do our own research. <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> that that would take too much work. We were two boys in a room. We we were just playing Barbies basically, and um, uh, yeah. So so it's like 
I got it got his blood pumping, his brain pumping, and I and I had the job pretty much immediately, which was it's just crazy what you have to do to get jobs in the comic book world today, like how much you have to prostrate yourself before the Pulp Bureau. But um but it was like it was just two guys in a room and we just we just went to work pretty quickly. Nice. But yeah. but but again again we our lack of research into the comic book lore is like everything David Goyer and Christopher Nolan feared and, and what Batman fans fear. Yeah, but then they also thought that Penguin wouldn't really fit their realistic take. Where I'm just like, well, clearly the Batman's version shows you can do Penguin in a very realistic way. So I, I've always thought that was a weird uh, opinion of theirs yeah. on the character. Oh, and and there was already, and as you probably, as you all obviously already know, there was already an existing draft of Sam Ham script. Right. And you know, which was a you know a base hit up the middle. It was just it was very very straightforward very like you know mystery it was like an old hardy boys adventure like it was mm-hmm. it was and and you could t- and you know it was just, you read it and like yep there's no way tim burns gonna make this <laughs> right it's because it, yeah, it's you know. very it's very plot heavy and i i noticed at the end reading i'm just like well it's cool they had this mystery but i i have no investment in penguin and catwoman What's yeah it's it, it's it's like this the CBS version of Batman between CSI and New Orleans and you know <laughs> the FBI, like it's like okay, mm-hmm. a Quinn Martin production. I, I think though that it, it's funny because you've brought up like it's it's just the two of you in this room developing it, but like as I said earlier, even before Batman Returns, Penguin has a history of being an outcast due to his physical appearance, which is why he's got the whole Penguin nickname. You know, Catwoman has a history of being a woman who has gone through some form of abuse and can't take it anymore. And that's, that's a theme in, in your entire take on, on Catwoman, not just Batman returns, but the, the Catwoman script you wrote. So like, yeah, I, yeah. It's almost almost like we didn't have to orally talk about it. It's like, it's, it's built into the system. It is, it is like, it's something that we were, that when you say it out loud to me, of course we knew this, but it was, it was not even a conscious thing. It was like that's where we that's where we began with those mm-hmm. elements of Penguin is an outcast, Catwoman is like you know she's not, you know she's she, she's she's got a history too, like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Cat Catwoman like I I love when the true Batman fans try to lecture me on like what, <laughs> how how I change Cat like and I'm like. So you understand she's an art thief and she's a cat burglar and she does this and she does that. and I'm like just like come on isn't mine better don't you why won't you admit it <laughs> for the so sake fun. of this though I will it's admit because I brought up a, I've <laughs> I've brought up before on the show how I'm just like well this I'm like the one drawback I think this is back 2019 just like, the one drawback is she's a thief she doesn't steal anything in Batman Returns but after thinking about it I think I say this too in that episode I'm like. That's like one small thing, and I wouldn't trade Michelle Pfeiffer's performance or characterization for the world just for one high scene. You know, yeah, like it's, it's yeah. yeah I, I, I'm sure in some draft she actually stole something, like you know, but it, uh, was, it was, you know, I, I did probably have her steal something in early drafts, but it was not, it, you know, it took on the character takes on a life of its own, and it just became, yeah. just became that that was not it. I, I never like you know. I'm a pervert of long standing, but I've never had a thing for <laughs> Batman in the TV series. Like Julie Newmar always reminded me of my 
mother's bridge partner. She was a little, too, <laughs> was a little too, a little too obvious for me. I, I, and I didn't have that childhood connection with her. Gotcha, gotcha. I, I, I do feel like this does set the stage for what Chris Nolan and Heath Ledger do with Joker in sort of reimagining a, a darker version of the character that fits the specific world, but doesn't initially have what you would expect from it or the traditional comic book take. And I, I think that, you know, a lot of people give praise of that, but they they kind of forget this sort of sets the stage for that, in my opinion, for that type of reimagining. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Christopher Nolan, he's ledger, they, they 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 establish a perfect specific tone that 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 takes a little bit of the comics, but creates their own new thing. But it still felt still felt real. I mean, we're in we're we're not in a real city. We're in we're in Tim Burton's Gotham City. So mm -hmm. it's like to have real people, it's almost like the production, the, the characterization has to match the production design in some ways. Right. Everybody's got to be a, I mean, you could say Heath Ledger's larger than life, but you could still believe him as a psycho. I mean, it's like if Heath Ledger's character took over the news tomorrow, I'd believe it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Very true. All right. Uh, so I think a Andrew yeah. has a question about Batman 66 because you brought that up before. You kind of answered this already, but uh, both. Uh, your penguin and Batman Returns, and the penguin from the the two parter where he runs for mayor in Batman sixty six. Uh, they both have some sort of political satire. Was oh was my god! I got I, I should watch this episode. This sounds <laughs> you've still so never gone back to see it. Yeah. <laughs> it's good, like I mean, I know it's 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 criminal that I even go back. And, well, now I don't. I've heard about it, so now I don't want to go back to see it and see. Like find out that I stole all this stuff verbatim. Like you know, wait it's, a minute. There's nothing verbatim other than Penguin just running for mayor. But it is, it's a political satire in the sense that like Penguin does all the uh, you know dirty cheap's tricks and stuff, and Adam West Batman just wants to stay true to the law and like you know he's 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 competing up against him. It's a different type. It's a very 1966 satire version of it as opposed to you know a 90s update. Of that, yeah. where things are darker. So, like, I wouldn't worry about any. Uh, I mean, definitely. Patriotism. Yeah, I mean, definitely. One of the element of like that, that with, you know, I mean, obviously, you've heard me talk about the character of Max Shrek. That Max Shrek is not mm -hmm. not from the comics. He and he's mm -hmm. not, and he's not Harvey Dent. <laughs> as we said in the opening, never Harvey Dent. But he, but but I did I and. And I wanted to, Christopher Walken was number one on my casting list, but I wanted a different Christopher Walken. I wanted a Christopher Walken that plays it completely straight. And mm. Christopher Walken takes it to Walken land. I mean, you get on a Tim Burton set, you're going to take it to another level. But the way the character was written, it was almost like um, evil Mitt Romney. It was like <laughs> the, the bland, boring guy who is actually the real villain. And that he kind of just uses Penguin and uses Catwoman for his own designs the way it would be in real life. Like if if mm -hmm. these if these strange characters came, like Trump, the people who who use Trump uh, as a battering ram, like those are the true villains. But we don't hear about those guys, and that's what I wanted Max Shrek to be. But Mac, you know, obviously it turned out the way it turned out. It was it was fine. It was great. Um, and um, and I love that people people pointed out though that that the scene where Penguin where Batman plays penguins voice saying all the terrible things about gotham city that if trump did that nobody would care 
Like they would, <laughs> I, I played most unrealistic thing about this movie. I played yeah. I played America like a harp from hell. Like they, oh oh Trump, you lovable son of a bitch. <laughs> That's true. They would buy it. <laughs> did you? When I'm going to go off script a little bit here, Ben. Did did you expect Michelle Pfeiffer to give that kind of performance? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it incredible, I was, right? Well, I was written. I mean, I don't want to brag. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good role. It's a good role. And I, I know every actress coming into it would think, oh, great, I'm playing Catwoman. I'll get to wear a funny costume and I'll be, it'll be like a Marvel movie where I get to do, I'll have some great lines and, I'm, and, I'll, and I'll do some great banter. But they, and Annette Bending, who was originally set to do the movie, I mean, if you track down this people, Premier Magazine, she was on the cover for Regarding Henry. She says all these great things about me, and I can't find the magazine. But, oh, but oh, she damn. had, but she had, she had, she. I mean, both her and Michelle Pfeiffer were shocked that there's an actual role there, that she has her own arc that has nothing to do with Batman. So, like, and I find there's so many great actors out there, and that they just don't get the roles where they get to take it to the next level, and that. The, the role had so much, and I knew Michelle Pfeiffer would be, and even hear her talk, like, she thought she was getting the Catwoman role, like, you know, like, you know, Valley Perrine and Superman, like, you know, it was going uh, yeah. to be just casual comic books. She had no idea what she was getting, so, and you could, and like, you know, and it was, like with a lot of actresses I've worked with, Winona Ryder and Heathers, and even Sandra Bullock, which I thought she gave an amazing comic performance in Demolition Man, that that just get, that that some actresses don't get great don't they get the girl part so when they see a role that's not the girl part they give it everything and they make the role better than it was ever ever even written they put so much into it that's awesome so yeah. so yeah michelle pfeiffer she's a great actress it's a great role the script's got a lot of problems but not catwoman and <laughs> so so i knew i knew she would she would be fantastic. I know we talked about the mixed reviews in the beginning of this episode and when we're talking to you, but, and you know, you had like that experience when it came out, but you know, when I talk to uh, women about this movie, almost all of them say this is their favorite Batman movie. And it's mm -hmm. more than likely it's because of Catwoman. I, I would, I would oh, yeah. wager, yeah, absolutely. you know, absolutely. Yeah. Like the response is really good from women fans. Yeah, out yeah, there. De definitely, definitely. It's not just one of their favorite Batman movies; it's one of their favorite films. And yeah, which yeah. which which is, is is great. Well, I just find I you know I just find that not a lot of people, men or women, write female roles to begin with, or female roles that have that kind of complexity. Like I always make fun of the like Captain Marvel, the strong female role, where mm -hmm. it's just like she's perfect she does everything well she does everything str with strength and and wisdom and and excellence and okay that's kind of a strong female role but uh, a woman who's fucked up and is actually funny and's got a sense of humor <laughs> and overcomes things that's that's even more interesting and that's may, maybe not as quote-unquote strong but that's more interesting. Like, you know, I mean, you look at the great male roles like Jack Nicholson and one flew the cuckoo's nest and five easy mm -hmm. pieces. Like these are not strong men. These are messed up men. Like I think the more messed up you can make it is, is best. So I think it's mm -hmm. just like, you know, I think, I think, I think when you make a, a, 
a complex female role. It's in, it's just something, it, it hits the audience a little different. It goes back to my original philosophy of finding ways to fuck up the audience. And like, <laughs> you know, I mean, even with Heather's, like the high school movie was done usually from the, the, the dude's point of view. Mm-hmm. Or if it was, it was like the John Hughes, Molly Ringwald point of view, which was nice. But, you know, real life, if you contrast it with real life, it's a little more fucked up. And so let's embrace the fucked up of it all. Like they're willing awesome. to do that. They're willing to do that with male characters, but they sometimes are scared to embrace the fucked up when it comes to female characters. Definitely, that's, yeah. This definitely, this definitely embraces that to the max. Yeah, yeah, awesome. yes. All right, back to our our script here. So, what <laughs> what aspects from your original drafts do you wish made it into the film? Oh Jesus, I, I um, I mean, oh, I just thought of one thing. Uh, One little thing. This is not the not answer your question the way you um, but, That's okay. Because I, I mean, I did, you know, I did make it a little, the political satire was a little more real. Everything was a little more grounded in my, in my script, but I do miss the element when, when she kisses Christopher Walken at the end, the lights, the Christmas lights of Gotham city, the entire city is supposed to blink on and off. Uh, on and off. It was a great thing. Tim, why didn't you do it, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> he said it. He said he didn't believe a little um, power station in the bottom of the zoo would affect the city of Gotham. Like, oh, now you're pulling out the rea- reality white glove. Now you're now you're telling me it's not realistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not, not exactly you know, realism. Um, uh, real quick, real quick. Do you have the comic book adaptation of the movie? I did have that at one time. I don't know if I still have it now. It has, it has that. It's in there. I don't know if I can pull. Oh it. my god! You're kidding! <laughs> yeah. I did not know that. It's in there. Yeah. Oh, I gotta, I gotta re-get it. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta get it out of my crib. <laughs> I immediately was like, "Wait on, hold on a second. Let me see if I can." I'm good. I have another section. I didn't put that part in, but uh, I'm. Good. I have another section wow. of showing you some stuff that I know was oh, in yeah, the original draft and make stuff. it into the film. Oh my god! You probably know. You probably can answer these questions better than I can. But also, also, um, you know. You know, Wesley Strick did do a polish on the script, pre-production polish and production polish on the script, and he added like real um, references to Earth reality, like the Love Connection and mm. and Norman Bates and Ted Bundy and I and Muhammad Shrek. What the fuck, Muhammad Shrek? <laughs> and, and like. Like, I didn't. I didn't want. I didn't want this to take place in anything real. Like so, I t- mm-hmm. I didn't have any of that shit. I went through a fine tooth comb, and let me tell you, I'm, I'll throw down a Gilgan. I'm the kind of guy to throw down a Gilgan's Island reference if I have to. But I I held myself in check. <laughs> I kept all that <laughs> stuff out of the script, and then it just then I just then it gets put in, and I feel terrible. Who wrote yeah. Unlimited Poontang? Oh God damn! There's love for unlimited poontang. In fact, I, in fact, like I, 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 I was talking. It was bantering on Facebook of saying because I had a a tr- 
I had traumatic, traumatized hatred for Wesley Strick when the mm. when the movie was being made and when it first came out, and now I have nothing but respect, and I think he did a great job, and and I'm always willing to tell you, but I'm like, who knew when Limited Poo-Tang had such a cult following? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's always like, like, dude, up high, Limited Poo-Tang, like. It was Wesley Strick, all right? It was Strick. It was Strick. McDonald's execs are just in the back like, I don't know about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poontang in this Batman movie. Yeah, Mickey D's. It wasn't me. No one's in the beginning when that, I that said... That wasn't me. When I said great dialogue, I did not say unlimited Poontang in the beginning because I'm just like, I know which ones were his lines and which ones weren't, and that was the Yeah, yeah. I'm well, sorry. No, no, I, I like to be, I like sorry. To be, yeah, I like to be asked about it, like, but it's always funny, like... It's funny, a limited Poontang is one of those ones that I, dude, Poontang. <laughs> like, what the fuck? You know, there's some great stuff I wrote that you can bring up, but mm-hmm. you're bringing up I'm a limited Poontang? I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. What is this? Caddyshack, the superhero movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Oh, oh man. <laughs> I try to keep uh, references in Poontang on my first draft. <laughs> There's certain rules policy. you live by. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, um, all right. Let's let's dive into uh, those original drafts. I think a lot of people want some of the some of the juice on some of these things. Some of the characters who didn't make it in. So it's been it's been well reported how Marlon Wayans is originally Robin was written into your original draft as the garage mechanic. He's got the R on his uniform after he you know wipes. Yeah, off the, very. Oil. You know, as as you mm-hmm. know, it was not a big thing. It was a very yeah. like just little piece of paprika in our stew. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like yeah, the, the internet more. makes it feel like uh, Marlon Wayans was like all set up and there was like a third movie planned with Wayans as Robin. I'm just like, based off of what I heard from you, that does not sound like that. Was yeah, no, <laughs> not not at all. Like we go, it, it was always felt very afterthoughty. So when it, when it cut, it just came out like butter. Got it. Uh, yeah. And I, I feel it was that one. It was, I, I think it was that. one literally pulls in the garage mechanic to get his car fixed for during the chase and mm-hmm. and the guy helps him out yeah and, and he's got an r on his coat yeah literally uh, that's it billy d williams it. had a bigger part ah <laughs> okay we'll get we'll get into that in a bit no, billy d williams had a bigger part in the first batman than than Marvel oh williams i see what you mean okay never mind yeah. <laughs> that was a pretty small part then in 89 oh uh oh sure okay i'm sure you've heard my robert wool story though Oh yeah, yeah. We'll uh, we'll reference that in a bit. I, I okay, I do... okay, okay, Mr. Orchestrator, you got you got you got you got a plan. All right, I'm... I got a plan. I got a plan. We'll stick with Robin right now because I do want to ask you about something that I'm hoping you do remember. This is a oh my god, this is where I find out everything I said syllable by syllable is a verbatim. <laughs> Uh, this I'm, is I'm an insuring candidate. Van Van Fantasy Zone magazine. Um, you had mentioned to them back in '92 that originally at one point, Robin. We started off with him as a full fledged character who worked as a street kid for the Penguin. Do you remember this? What? this wow! What the? F- who who is this Waters guy? <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Do you remember God. this at all? I'm guessing you don't. Based off your response, I think I, I think I was just talking shit to Fantasone. <laughs> oh yeah. man okay yeah i like fans on you crazy kids <laughs> i love grape flavor but um let's see no no uh, i mean never never was that in a script but it's certainly something that we could have i 
I can envision banding about with Tim, but then mm-hmm. Tim, Tim, you know, he, he's not exactly like, uh, you know, Carl Reiner and Neil Simon in the writer's room where, where <laughs> got a rolled up sleeves by the typewriter. He always mm-hmm. used to just go just silently <laughs> raise his finger and just like, and like, it, it was like, it was pointless to argue at that point. Once the finger goes up, it was, it was dead. It was the so end I'm, of Robin. I'm sure that was a, Hey, he's a street kid. Who's works at the penguin. <laughs> Got it. Okay. All right. Uh, what else does Santa's own get out of me? <laughs> it's 2022 waters you, you versus know, 1992 you know, waters. You know, they got me, they got me high first. Fan there. <laughs> uh, all right, Andrew has the next one. Okay. <laughs> Your own record bringing up that the real villain of this movie is Max Shrek as he represents the real life businessmen who fuck people over. Was Max Shrek based off of any specific person in real life, perhaps? Oh, I I I love coming across reviews that compare him to Trump. Like like <laughs> okay, that, that I'm I'm not gonna say I. I mean, it would make me look so good if I could say he was Trump, baby. <laughs> he was Trump, baby. I got you know. He's got anything, his name all over the city. He's got ridiculous hair. He's yeah, got his, uh, it, you know. it, it, it's. It, I mean, there's. I'm sure it was there in my you know in my brain. <laughs> I don't remember conscious saying. Max Shrek is Donald Trump, but if anything, now that I've done reading retroactively, he's Fred Trump, Donald's father, and and Biff mm. is um, or Chip. Chip, sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh right, it, yeah, is yeah. Chip is Donald Trump, which makes even more sense because Trump's Trump's father was an evil, evil racist pig, and Trump is a chump, and like got got was trying to be trying to be evil like his father, and and only half-assed evil. But um, yeah, I I I mean, he was just he was, I'm sure he was he was a magum of a lot of guides, like um, just the guides. I mean, I there's a joke about my friends who have to read my scripts. Like I always have an all powerful character who connects all the other characters who looks out over the city at the start of the movie. It's a terrible, it's a terrible trope <laughs> of mine. Like I just love those characters that connect everything up and um. Yeah, yeah, but I can't give myself full credit. I mean, I predicted a lot of things. I predicted a lot of things in Demolition Man. I predicted a lot of things, but I, mm-hmm. I can't give myself full credit for predicting gotcha. Donald Trump. And the and the name of Max Schreck, in terms of it, you know, obviously common trivia that it is the name of the German actor who was in Nosferatu. Was that mainly because of appealing to Tim? on the German expressionism. It's, it's so fandom. funny. It, it's such, it's such a microcosm of pleasing your director. Like if it was William Friedkin directed the movie, I'd call him turd Ferguson or something. I don't <laughs> I, I'd give him a tough name, but like, you know, but like, you, you know, just like depending on who you, but you know, it's, and it's so funny because, um, Scott Alexander, who is a co-writer of Ed Wood and one of my best friends with Larry Garzuski, um, he did an interview with me at Writers Guild screen of Batman Returns, uh, anniversary Batman Returns, and just like he's saying, did Matt, did Tim tell you to do Max Shrek? And I'm like, no. Well, was he was he was he happy you did Max Shrek? And I'm like, we never even talked about it. But it's just like I knew Tim would like it. <laughs> I knew yeah. this is appeal to Tim. I knew name it, and and for me and he's 
And the, and then Scott goes, did you tell him it was based on, if I would have told him, hey, Tim, I'm naming him Max Shrek based <laughs> on the actor who played Nosferatu, it would have killed our relationship. The fact that <laughs> didn't make, the fact that didn't mention it was one of many secret handshakes that says, Tim, I got you. I'm That's your beautiful. man. Like, yeah. you know, because, you know, it's like, you know who you're working for when you when you name the guy Max Shrek. Like that's just you know, you, do, you it's like you just kick upstairs. You know, this is you know Tim's gonna like it. Yeah, because a lot of people bring up is like, oh, he's he's like a metaphorical vampire and he wants the power plant to suck up the energy of the city. I'm just like that wasn't in the original drafts though. Sure. sure. Oh yeah, the, the fucking power plant. What the fuck power plant? Power plant that sucks energy. What? The fun, I mean, metaphorically, it's fun, but yeah. And I, 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 I love Wesley's line. Um, if my life has a meaning, that's the meaning. You can't have enough power. I like that mm -hmm. line, but mm -hmm. that fucking power plant. Give me a, I mean, God, God, God love this shit that moves the story along. I, I was, I was, I was doing a Robert Altman film, people, characters, characters, characters right, interacting. Right. right. Uh, Right. So now that does bring us into debunking our favorite thing to debunk, and you're probably yours as well, which is Max Shrek was so never, never Harvey did. Oh, <laughs> um, he was. I, I just, you know, I did. I did think of having Harvey Dent as a supporting character in the movie Billy D. Williams, who mm -hmm. I like, having a supporting character, just like him being collateral damage, like Robin, just a small throwaway scene. He's collateral damage to he's, what's he's going on in the city. He's or? collateral damage in one of the action scenes, and then he just he flips a coin at the end of the movie, mm -hmm. and like he, he's he's injured that way at the end of the movie. He just flips a coin at the end of the movie, but but it's nothing. Nothing is um, nothing's ever done with it. It's just it's a, like another subtle hint, like uh, the Robin character. Gotcha, gotcha. Which yeah, is I, which, I, which again is terrible for. What I'm doing to our black characters, like I'm, I, I had two black characters that I made that I made small cameos and I then cut out the cameos, and now all we have is a reporter saying, "Commissioner Gordon, is it true?" <laughs> yeah. true. Terrible. We would have much more diverse today, well, but you weren't in charge of the casting, so that's not on you. Uh, but yeah, I, I was curious about Harvey Dent because I, I didn't know that the idea was him getting caught in the collateral damage of the Red Triangle Circus Gang. I was just wondering if you had like a courtroom scene or something, but that that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, that was that was story. the only yeah again, and that got the Tim Burton thumb. Like just <laughs> any any try to anytime I I really didn't like the first Batman. I'm sorry, I know a lot of people do, and I, I they I saw it at a cynical age, like I. Mm -hmm. I didn't think it was funny, and the, the, the and I love Prince, and the songs are awful, and <laughs> um, um, and Jack is just overdoing. It. I like Michael Keaton, but you know, come on. Anyway, but and Robert Wool was Robert Wool was giving these lines from hell, like he, they, they, not one of them lands. Um, and so I I know you want to do the wall thing later. I'm doing the wall thing. Go, now. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Actually, this right. perfect. Yeah, like that that I was obsessed with having a scene with Robert Wool early on in the script where he, he gets crucified. I can't remember what character, like one of the, I, my red triangle gang with more performance artists that love to do crazy. Oh, shit. And, oh and, I see how this fits. Yeah. Okay. And so they crucified him to the bat signal. And so his dead body flashed across Gotham city skies. And I, I really that, hated him. 
that, that was I didn't know how Robert would feel about shooting that scene, but, <laughs> but Tim was not gonna. Tim was like, "Do we have? Do we have to bring it up? Do we have to bring out the character? We let's just not." Yeah, that's something. like every time. Every time I try to bring up, bring up the first the first film, he's like, "Can, can we just pretend it didn't happen?" Uh, actually, that fits right into Andrew's next question. Yeah, so uh, we know about Harvey Dent and the death scene of Knox with his body on the bat signal. Were there any other references to Batman '89 that were cut? Well, the Vicky Bailbo joke stayed, mm-hmm. and and that was the only time I mentioned Vicky Vale. Like uh, Strick, Strick, Dammy, Strick, Ultimate Poontang, Wesley, Ultimate Poontang, Strick. Um, he he brought up talking about um, Vicky Vale in that that pre pre Christmas lighting date scene. Oh, okay, but I I didn't do that. Um, I'm try- I I re- I I really did not. I do remember like you know Tim and I n- had no interest in following, like what would follow up the first one like uh Tom Tom Wilkinson's character like I mean like his son's out to get revenge like I mean like we just like there was nothing Oh that's fall- well, I'm, oh, getting him, I'm getting Falcone mixed up from <laughs> uh, You mean uh, Jack Palance's uh, character? Dark Knight character. Jack Knight Jack Palance. Jack Palance. Jesus, um, yeah, I I only saw I only saw it once. Can you believe it? Eighty nine. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, well, to... I watched it twice. I saw it again before. I saw <laughs> I when it came out. You, actually, I saw it came when it came out, and then watched it before doing Batman Returns. But there was not a lot of it was it, like the Vicky Vale joke was the only thing that that he he did, Tim didn't touch that. Mm-hmm. Which didn't didn't get a got a got a got a lot of response when the movie first came out, but now it doesn't play at all. Mm. But I um, think it's one of those you could you should have had you should have been there type of jokes at this point. Mm. I think yeah yeah um, yeah. But I mean, uh, one thing that I thought would be fun to bring up to you that you might not have known is that Alexander Knox, the Robert Wool character, was actually supposed to die in '89. They were supposed to kill him off. He was oh. going to get shot by by one of the Joker's goons during the parade because he was going to sort of. He's been oh somewhat God. inspired by the heroes of Batman to try to do something during the parade, and he creates the bat signal in the parade, um, but then ends up losing his life in the process. And I think because the producers liked him or something like that, they said, like, save, ah, we, got, we got to save him for a sequel. We got to save him for the sequel. And Robert Wool's like, thank <laughs> God they didn't kill me off so I can be in the next one. And then imagine oh, if, if your scene no. came back in the next one. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Hostel. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> We're gonna like you just get shot in that one. Yeah, <laughs> you, you would have given him a much oh, more I, fe- I, fe- I feel bad. Don't tell Robert Wall. Robert, I hope uh, Robert Wall doesn't watch this. Doesn't come on the show. Okay, was, <laughs> we'll hold off. What, was Burton like not a hundred percent into eighty nine as well in your in your estimation? Is that why he felt like he had more control with returns? Well, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think my opening uh, Ben can attest. My opening line was. At the at the screening was, um, you know, Batman was a Batman movie that happened to be directed by Tim Burton, and Batman Returns is a Tim Burton movie that happens to have Batman in it. Like it was a complete sea change. It was complete. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think he, li- I think he doesn't dislike the film. I just don't think he think, thought it was his. And mm. and um, yeah, and like like. It was, it was, it was, 
it was something he had he had no interest in making another one like that going through that whole okay. process okay from from beginning to end like create but you know so it was like he you knew every i know every decision i made of as a writer when creating when creating trying to create his first draft was what would batman 89 do and not do that <laughs> well all right <laughs> well yeah okay okay all right um, yeah and, and i'm glad to see his most recent he's been doing some couple of, not as much a whore as me but he's been doing some couple 30th anniversary <laughs> not not been doing some 30th anniversary interviews and he, he, yeah. he you can definitely see his affection for batman returns and if anything, he's being a little more out of the closet about his not so much thrilled about Batman 89. Gotcha. Mm, yeah. All right. Uh, actually, to, to lead into Andrew's next question, uh, could you show with us, because you, you brought this up before about your tr your traumatized hatred for Wesley Strick at that time. At the uh, time, at the time. At the time. Love, the time, love yeah. you, Wesley. Who takes forever? <laughs> uh, could you tell uh, us hashtag. about <laughs> the facts? And uh, the fact, the you know. <laughs> oh my God! Did I did, have I talked about that with other people? You you brought that up, yeah. You brought that up, and I'm curious what you oh brought up. My... The whole 13 pages, only 13 pages went in, or something like that. But oh not all of them said we do it. Wow! But I, <laughs> I was wondering what was in it. <laughs> Fanazon must have really just doctored me. Doctored me good. They got me so fucking high. Um. Well, okay. The first draft of Wesley Strick is not the first draft of Wesley Strick, he, which they shouldn't have given me. They they should have waited until they did another draft because Wesley took some big swings. Oh, okay. And so he really good. changed a lot. And there was there was there was just a oh lordy, there was a scene with with Chip trying to seduce Selena in her apartment. And and her knocking him into the Murphy bed that she has, and the bed flipping against the wall, trapping Chip, like just all these weird little fucking scenes. Like, give me. A, and I, I and I remember, I remember I had this Paul. Did I talk about the Paul Abdul song? Um, no, I don't know about this one. <laughs> no. There's a Paul Abdul song that I loved at the time called "Blowing Kisses in the Wind," and I I made the mistake of reading this script while "Blowing the Kisses Wind" is playing over and over, and now. Like if you want to torture me, you can tie me a chair and play "Blowing Kisses in the Wind" because it just is like Vietnam flashbacks. I just turn and sweating because I just remember this lying down in my car and it's like, oh, I'm gonna die. Like and and um, yeah, there was oh, there, and there was a lot more dialogue changes and um, trying to remember what else just really killed me, but. I remember Chip having a bigger role that that for no reason. Um, That's a character everybody wanted more from. Clearly, yeah. Well, <laughs> right. Chip is the actor played Chip is is great as in Hawk, but not as much in Batman Returns. But anyway, um, Andrew Mrazki, <laughs> love you. I'm going to do things. So, but but. Anyway, like I've, I've probably, I've probably like um, suppressed the more. I'm sorry, I can't, can't give you more actual strict things that that bother oh, you. But, but it was but, more but, about what was in your facts about. But that. I, I did have a 13-page fax 
of things that I thought was wrong with the wrong with the script that I, and this is like, this is the early days of fax machines or not the early days of fax machines. It was the days of fax machines, which were never good. Hmm. And I, I fed 13 pages to, to Tim's office of Warner brothers and only 12 came out. I only got an okay for 12, which means I had to send the, I, I didn't know which page didn't go through. So I had to send the whole 13 pages again, Jesus. which just made it, it just muddied the waters. Like when I did, when I did, when I was allowed to come on the set, basically I was rolled out there like Hannibal Lecter. Or like, you know, <laughs> like it was, mask. it was, uh, yeah, it was just a hot, it was a hostile. It made our, Tim and I's relationship hostile for quite a bit. Like we didn't speak. And it was only when the movie started being the editing and the rough cut stages that I was, that I was brought back in to like, take a look at it and have some thoughts. And like, and I felt like we mended some fences because, because a lot of things are like, and there was a lot more of the killing of the, the firstborn children of it. Like, which was, it was right now it's kind of plays as just like a, a um, something to pull you along. Mm-hmm throughout the movie it doesn't really it never really factors in in a major way like it was like a, it was like a an overarching plot in the first chapter i read it was like wow. it was like every there was a lot more of it and now it just plays as a taste at least that's what i said in my wga arbitration letter to get sole credit mm. but um <laughs> um okay but <laughs> But but it was it was a lot more omnipresent in the draft I read that made me so angry that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was not it was not a cool act. I think they should they I should have waited for them to say things to Wesley's trick on their own and then come in and read the next draft, which was a little, a little more calmer, and there was no chip in a bed and all that craziness. <laughs> So just to clarify, this fact goes to Tim Burton. This goes to Wesley Strick. Where, who did the who got the? Oh well, well yeah, no, well, yeah, I wish I communicated directly with Wesley Strick. Like, <laughs> just like me and a, me me Wesley in a bathtub, Clockwork Orange style. But um, <laughs> but no, went to Tim's office and to, Den- gotcha. to, okay. to, to Denise. Yeah, got it. Yeah, um, and and I I had did we were you going to bring up the element of. Max Shrek and Oswald Cobblepot being brothers. Uh, yes, but I mean we can talk about that now on that because so that's something that Wesley eliminates, or did you already eliminate that after? I I think Wesley. It was it was it was it was on it was on the chopping block. I'm surprised. Well, definitely, with Wesley put it out of its misery. I don't think it was a great like Oswald Cobblepot ends up being like ended up in my draft ended up being a name he just pulls out of his ass. Mm-hmm. And, um, but there was a whole thing of like, there's a blonde child looking, looking at the, looking at the mutant child at the start of the movie. And it turns out that blonde child is Max Shrek mm-hmm. and Max and Penguin are brothers. And, but never, ne- never made it deep into drafts. I'm not exactly proud of it. It was a little cheap, but, but I'm going to shame Rod Lurie. <laughs> Rod Lurie, the director and screenwriter. He was a film critic for the LA, LA Los Angeles magazine, and he did this article that he had seen a pirate, a pirate rough cut of Batman Returns, and he gave it a review, and and he said, 
and then and then at the end it turns out two of the characters are are siblings and i'm like and warner brothers was like how do you see this movie how do you see the movie and i go and i go motherfuckers look at this paragraph he obviously just read an early draft of the script and he's lying <laughs> so rod Lurie, if if you're if you're on the, watching this podcast i see you <laughs> oh man okay and your remake of straw dog sucks <laughs> <laughs> Woo. all right <laughs> but, well, but, 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 but but yeah again again i can't tell you how wesley Strake did did a good job i mean i i've i'm sure you've heard this golden oldie from my previous interviews but I always say the thing with me and Tim Burton is it was like Rain Man with two Dustin Hoffmans <laughs> right. that, that that were both kind of weird and, and you know, kind of odd. And we both have our own play by our own rules and we don't re- we don't believe in save the cat or save the mm-hmm. cat woman. Um, right. But 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 we kind of we both kind of needed Wesley Strick to be Tom Cruise and like give a little sanity to the proceedings. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> gotcha gotcha are there any things from strix revisions that you actually like i like like i say a lot of i like a lot of the dialogue i like a lot of the clarifications um i don't like his plot stuff i don't like that fucking power plant i don't like <laughs> i don't like the the firstborn children of gotham city what the fuck and you know it's such a great sequence in vincent schiavilli drives a truck with eight kids and, and like that's supposed to be the getting the first yeah give me a break <laughs> um but you know i'll throw out a high window that's wesley's gotta give it to him oh yeah good mm, shit that's a good, good shit good shit then in the uh she looked pretty scared to me oh yeah yeah that's a good one too fuck wesley you did some good stuff shut up you shut up ben <laughs> Ben's got them all on his Rolodex, the speed dial. Like, yeah. it's like you, you stop now. I, I parsing yeah. them out a little bit at a time. Let's not, let's not roll all right. them all out. All right, all right. We'll, we'll hold back on that. But uh, <laughs> I will be showing you some of the stuff that was are like visual versions of some of the stuff in your scripts that you may or may not have seen beforehand. But we are going to do a edit in a quick break to those dick commercials you were commenting to us about right right here. Hello, my name's Jonathan Dunn, host of the O3C podcast. Every week I'm joined by my two best gaming buddies, Chris and Minty, and we talk about the games we're playing, the games we love, and how they rank alongside our sacrosanct top 100 favourite video games of all time lists. Deep dives into gaming mechanics, history and lore abound, all topped off with lashings of irreverent wry British wit, witterings and wisdom. For details on the show and more, head to o3c.games and tune in every Monday on the HyperX Podcast Network. Do you love Japan and video games? Well, so do we! We're Kinsey and Mark from Kyoto Indie Dev's Chuhai Labs. Join us twice monthly for games, silly Japan news, and all-around nonsense. We stink at making commercials. <laughs> we f***ing got this one, bro. Be sure to stop by the Chew High Labs Discord to chat about our games or ask us questions. Chew High Labs and the Nasty Labs Podcast. We're legally the best. Find inflation the old-fashioned way by spending less money. Check out the HyperX store at Amazon.com to find great Prime Day deals on July 12th and 13th. Stock up on new gaming gear so you'll be equipped for the new launches and content drops. Mark your calendars and set your alarms. Deals like this won't stick around long. 
It's officially summertime, and everybody talks about looking good for the warmer months, but few have the balls to do it. Well, it's time to nut up or shut up and take the easiest step to looking sexy this summer by using Manscaped. Manscaped's ultra smooth package makes sure you have the proper care for down there. And their Boxers 2.0 gives you the perfect stage to show off the new look. These products make you look hot, but your cleanly shaved nethers will keep you cool. And the Boxers 2.0 patented jewel pouch, trademark, technology, will keep your boys from turning any beach day into a swamp day. Dive headfirst into summer by joining the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get 20% off plus free shipping by going to manscaped.com using the code JohnsonsBallsack. Yes, manscaped.com slash JohnsonsBallsack. The ultra smooth package is specialized three-step groin shaving kit to help you buff, protect, and smooth your most sensitive areas. I'm talking crop shaver razor, crop exfoliator, and crop gel. This kit is the perfect polish to make your family jewels shine. Step one, crop exfoliator. Infused with ingredients that can soothe, clear, and keep the skin on and around your groin feeling refreshed. The crop exfoliator can help you reduce the risk of ingrown hairs in your delicate places. Step two, crop gel. See where you're shaving with our unique clear shaving gel just for the groin. It's called your delicate area for a reason. This is one place you do not want to go in blind. Step three, it's time to shave. The crop shaver, trademark, was designed for shaving the groin area with confidence. This razor has three precision blades that include extra wide lubricating strips and a pivoting head for the ultimate groin grooming experience. To top it off, all three of these vegan, cruelty-free, and sulfate-free products are included so you know your manhood is in good hands and without compromise. Once you have your hog in prize-worthy condition, grab yourself a pair of the Manscaped Boxers 2.0. They are ultra-soft, moisture-wicking, cooling, anti-chafing, masterpieces fit for a king, and made for your royal scepter. I should know. I'm wearing them right now. So, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code JohnsonsBallsack at manscaped.com. There are so few perfect summer days. Don't let hot, sweaty balls ruin them. Stay fresh, clean, and smelling good with Manscaped. As a fan of podcasts, you've probably thought about starting one of your own. Introducing the new HyperX DuoCast. The DuoCast has all the essential features an aspiring podcaster would want from a USB mic with HyperX favorites like a tap to mute and a vibrant mute indicator. It's compact and elegantly styled, perfect for situations where you want a mic that looks great but isn't too extra. Check out the new HyperX DuoCast available at Target.com or shop direct at HyperX.com. Woohoo! And we're back, and here we're going to continue talking to Daniel Waters about his time on Batman Returns. But uh, during the time that we do that, we are going to start showing some images. So uh, a lot of the stuff are different photos or concept art or stuff from the comic book adaptation, even uh, things that I know were in your drafts that didn't make it into the final film. Uh, this first one, I'm pretty sure you've probably seen, which is the Batman store. Right. This is a oh, 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 you're killing me, Ben. This is this. Okay. Okay. Going. Sorry, Andrew. This is this is what I should have answered with. 
okay. things I missed from my draft because I do miss this. Oh, it was such a good opening. You know the opening, right? I'm sure you've heard it. I know you guys know because you guys are you guys know more about me than I do. Um, <laughs> um, you know, you know my report card from fourth grade. <laughs> But but I had the great opening scene. I had a great opening scene. It opened with it opens with the Batman logo. Mm-hmm. And you pull out from the Batman logo and you real it's a souvenir store. It's a Batman um souvenir store on fire. And then it blows up and it's so great. Come on, how great is that? I don't remember <laughs> that part, but <laughs> Well, that was one of the first drafts. That was yeah. a non- uh, for non not Ben Nye's draft, but, but, <laughs> right. but but I do I do remember I had a lot of like Michael Keaton gives a lot of fuck this city speeches like what the yeah. hell like 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 I've been made a joke I've been made a, like something they can do, sell tourist shit to like you know I mm-hmm. you know like I'm the Hollywood Boulevard of of Gotham City and that. um and I had a lot of the speeches, and I think, I, as I've mentioned to before, that Michael Keane, Michael Keane would love, and Michael Keane was great to work with, so smart, so shrewd, and he would just go, "This is a great speech. You got to cut it." Like, <laughs> "Oh, that's funny. That's a great line. Get rid of it." Like he didn't want, mm-hmm. he didn't want, he had a very firm control of what Bruce Wayne and Batman should be, and he definitely, like. Anytime you made a lot too many speeches or too many quips when he's wearing the outfit, he would really put the kibosh on that. Like mm-hmm. that, that when he puts on the outfit, he should be speaking in sm- small senses, you know, get in and get out. Like, so, mm-hmm. so, so, I mean, in terms of screen time, everybody complains about Batman, Batman having certain little screen time, but I think he's got his presence is there even when he's not there. Like he's still very effective. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think that first shot of him alone in a dark study with the Batman signal light comes on. That's, that's the most powerful image Michael Keaton has ever done with Batman. I think it speaks multitudes. Yeah. But yeah. And then, and then, you know, I've, I've joked before and I'm sure you guys have heard me joke that like, you know, Christopher, no contractions, Nolan, um, Christopher, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Christopher, Christopher Batman 89 all the way Nolan um, he, like when he, he had Christian Bale he has Christian Bale giving these very long speeches where he's mm-hmm. sipping Fiji bottles because his voice is getting hoarse <laughs> talking all about the the soul of the city and shit and like mm-hmm. you know like and I'm like it took me took me watching those movies to say oh my god Michael Michael Keane was right <laughs> <laughs> When you're wearing this, when you're still wearing this, shoot, shut up. Yeah, I mean, I did, I, I did want to cover that a little bit on how, like, the original script does give a lot more to Bruce in the sense that you know there's a lot more on his kind of holiday depression. Vicky's left him. He's bitter about Gotham turning him into lunchboxes, being so easily manipulated by Penguin. But then, like, as the threat grows, you have a part where he ends up telling Alfred. He says. I'll read it from here. It's like, I do care for the weak, pathetic, and gullible people of Gotham City because I'm one of them. And yet at the end, he's kind of resolved to balance Oh my God, I'm, I'm getting chills, Ben. This is... <laughs> you, you wrote this. You're restoring my faith in myself. <laughs> he's kind of resolved to balance out his bitterness of caring for the people and opening his heart out Fuck, to yes. Selena. And he still... Can somebody gets... say an arc? <laughs> hey, Keaton, hey, still... Keaton. 
Thanks a lot, Michael. You're, You're going to retract everything you said about keeping being threw, right. He threw out my Oscar on for your notes on a note <laughs> session. It, it seems like he's resolved to be like, okay, I do resent the people of Gotham, but I also am there to protect them. I must, yeah, that was, a, that was a pretty good line. I'm one of them. Yeah. I, I like yeah. that. I like that. Yeah. Give, my, give myself a sip of water for that. This <laughs> is I protect the people of Gotham City from themselves. That means I must be. Oh, shit. And despise. Fuck I must be you, the light. Strick. And the dark. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like, wait, wait a minute, because I, 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 I do this, remember, this. I do remember the light and the dark. That, yeah. that was definitely a old Waters chestnut. Because yeah, I'm just like, wait a minute, this is actually what this is actually what Bruce is going through in this movie, or supposed to go through in this movie. That's not. Yeah, God forbid. Like, <laughs> there's a there's an internet meme going around where it says, first lesson to writers." show don't tell and then they then they say shakespeare hi i'm the villain here's why <laughs> like that. shakespeare always tells and like but he gets away with it and shakespeare and waters baby come on <laughs> so i'm just like well i mean i could see i i see keaton's point but also i'm just like i don't think this comes through in the final film in terms of what that's supposed to be because there's no Batman store. There's yeah, no dialogue yeah, about him. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's no wrestling with that. Like, I mean, I think yeah. that's the thing. He's, yeah. Well, thank you, Ben. That, that you've you've made up for your your Wesley Strick montage. <laughs> <laughs> so here's a little bit more of the. I don't know if you've seen uh, the rest of these photos, but these are more photos of what's supposed to be the inside of the store, which I think is just random Batman merchandise that they just put in there to fill it up because there's literally the arcade game for 89 in there with Vicky's picture and Bruce oh, Wayne's cool. picture. So um, that's in there. Uh, there's also, we're going to get to it in a second, the concept art for the bat sled that I know you mentioned in your script that was made, that they put that in the, uh, put oh, that in the cool. window. So that's pretty cool. And then I also have concept art of the World's Fair style version of Penguin's Hideout that you had come up with. I don't know if you'd seen these before, but uh, I when I first saw these, I'm just like, that's from, because I remember that roller coaster sequence that was cut with Batman Penguin fighting on that. I'm just like, holy shit. They actually like, they considered this and drew it out and stuff. They showed. Oh, really? I, I didn't. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it's, it definitely works better as a, a shell of a dead, uh, dead world's fair. Like, yeah. That's kind of what they're showing here. Uh, more, I think. more than active roller coasters. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. That's the cat, the Catwoman script I did, which probably going to get me to talk about. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the, there's, there's a scene where she's tortured in a car wash. I remember. Uh, uh, fake, yeah, I remember fake that, car yeah. wash. Jesus Christ. I had <laughs> suppressed that. Uh, and then we have, uh, these are from the great Jose Luis Garcia Lopez of Batman versus the Bat Creeps, who are the Red Triangle Circus gang being Batman imposters wearing the bat suits before Nolan did it in The Dark Knight. Um, so we have that, a couple of those here. Uh, and then I did not, I forgot about the the city thing, but I do have from the comic adaptation uh, Penguin making the Batmobile spin around to sort of torture Batman a little more. Uh, that's in there, and then I mean, we built the spinny thing. Let's let's have some fun. Yeah, I, I could see that that was meant to be the payoff for that that we didn't really get. It just was kind of just there <laughs> okay, in the final I film know. as the gag for the the fire breather. Um, 
this is rare. This is something our assistant came up with. He he found this is storyboards apparently of Batman and Robin fighting not just the Red Triangle Circus Gang, which was in your script with the when they're at the garage, but also Penguins there, which was not what I remembered. Wow. So, I yeah, don't remember that. Somebody somebody did this, and then someone also did this concept of what looks like some sort of Batman ski vehicle. And the most interesting thing to me is that it says that Robin is supposed to be standing here in like the tower turret that very phallic looking part in the front <laughs> holy so, shit I, I didn't this was done behind my back yeah and i'm just like i'm not sure if you know what that's about because i don't i don't remember that being in a draft that i read uh of robin being a part of that he was just kind of helping out with the finale with the the penguins but he wasn't literally inside of the like a wow pack. yeah no that must i think this guy works for fantazone <laughs> 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 and then uh, we have Penguin with a flamethrower, which is another thing uh, that I remember from the draft. And then one other thing that I thought um, would that I noticed when I was going through it is that you beat Matt Reeves to the punch and having Bruce Wayne wear sunglasses inside during the day because it's too fucking bright. It's noted in this part of the script. Uh, oh, Bruce, who is standing with sunglasses on in the Wayne Manor study. So I thought that was cool as well. I don't know if you know that in the movie and stuff, but oh, I, jeez, I'm I'm so ahead of my time. I didn't even know. <laughs> Restores my faith in inhumanity. That's such a line of mine. Oh my god, just, just Michael Jordan, Steph Curry making them from everywhere around the court. <laughs> I gotta I gotta dig up this thing and read it. It's online yeah it's online i do uh, i i will put this out there too because uh some people have read our our coverage or heard our coverage oh on God, that and, and just just like it. what you what you said about like you have different responses to this movie people have different reactions to this uh i've definitely had different reactions when going through this draft i don't know how many times i've i've read this the first time i read it uh, i was still studying screenwriting and stuff i'm just like oh this is awesome i get to read the robin scenes i get to read the max shrek stuff and then later on, I think I was just really, I was really thrown off by the social commentary that I just did not catch when I was a kid. And I'm just like, I, I, I was not kind to it at that time when we were recording. And I was just like, what is this? And then I read it again um, after that. And then I was just like, oh, that now I see what he's doing here. Well, now I see what well he's, your, he's your first instinct stuff. is probably a pure pure the pure instinct that is the reason it was cut like hey we we didn't come here for lecture waters like we, we, we want to watch batman like you know yeah i mean i mean i i i i miss some of those lines but i agree mm -hmm. like the text should be subtext nine times out of ten so you know that it's best that like sometimes just for actors and and the producers and studio to get a vision of what I'm going for. It's good. To, I always say like, sometimes it's good to put in a bunch of speeches where you talk about the theme of the movie and then mm -hmm. cut them out. Like, you mm -hmm. know, the, so everybody knows it. Everybody's, but then you, then, but then when it comes time to actually show it, you shouldn't need them. The, the movie should bleed. It's should, should, you should feel that by watching the movie and not having spell everything spelled out for you. Mm. So I forgive yeah. you. I forgive you, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. And I, and I also, we've been on record here where just like, you know what, more than ever, I appreciate when there is a take 
on it. It's not just a literal translation where you're just like, I already know this. I've read a million comics on this type of stuff. Like when there's yeah. a taken for a take to be kind of mixing that type of commentary and somewhat of a satire on the real world and on superheroes, not in 2022, but in 1991. That's what, you know, you already said you were ahead of your time. You were ahead of your time in that <laughs> oh, instance. I know, baby. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> Where's the love? The love's coming in. Yeah, the love's coming in 2022. Yeah, that's and, right. Uh, yep, that's true. Um, Andrew, I'll let you take this next question since I know I've been mainly taking over <laughs> a lot of this. Oh, that's okay. Wait, getting yours or doing the one that's scheduled for uh, me? The, the Twitter one. I think there's the next one. Oh, right? hey, pretty good for my first tweet. 21,000. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah. All right. You came onto the Twitter scene with this tweet. What was behind that? It felt like you were calling out Batman in the movie for not being a detective, but to be fair, your script did have Bruce figuring out Max Shrek was connected to the oh Penguin my through God, following dude. the circus payments from Max and wow, Bunny in his office. come on. That was so lame, though. It was so not real. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, that's just like baby detective work. Ooh. <laughs> Hmm, circus performers. Hey, wasn't there a circus gang? Oh, I'm a great. I'm Sherlock Holmes. Like, <laughs> for, for those who yeah. aren't able to see the YouTube, the the tweet was. I'll let you you say the tweet. You wrote it. <laughs> As well, and and this is in appreciation that that the Batman he does do a lot of detective work. I thought, mm -hmm. or he, yes, he's, yes, he does. He, yeah, he feels like a detective. Mm -hmm. Right. And, as the writer Batman returns, all I have to say is dot dot dot. So wait, you're telling me he's a detective? <laughs> so this was your reaction and praise yeah, for yeah, Matt Reeves. It, it, it was being self-deprecating. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, then of course people point out. Well, you know, DC Comics stands for Detective Comics. Oh, I'm yeah, like, Ugh. <laughs> Lu Lucia Ball. <laughs> <laughs> sure I did, I think. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. All right. Um, also, uh, a previous tweet before you debuted on on Twitter with this amazing first tweet. Um, so this is from Walter Chow saying, on his birthday, here's the time. Walter Chow, my man. My uh, man. Daniel Waters told me last week that he wrote a Catwoman sequel to this. So now we're transitioning to this. It was a Western, and Margaret was in it, so just going to sit with that until I die. And I was oh, just I don't, like, I don't, I've never seen this tweet. That's I was like, wait, Anne Margaret was in it. I know that. Okay, so I know Anne Margaret that's, that's was funny. in Anne, Anne, Yeah. That's funny. Anne Margaret, that's a good connection. That's a good way to talk about it, yeah. Yeah, because I'm just like, wait, because I know that you've, you've said that you've watched Cat People, you watched Kitten with a Whip starring Anne Margaret before um, that script, but I didn't know if this is just Walter being like he heard Anne margaret and thought she was in it or if you actually thought of her for a role in the movie no i've, I've done a couple of interviews with walter so i was telling him verbatim um no mm -hmm. well i mean that was Anne margaret was probably the one thing that me and tim's vision of a catwoman movie had in common mm -hmm. um and i mean like i only did a first draft i only did one draft of catwoman uh, it's it if you thought like Batman Returns is a visionary mess. This is even more crazy. <laughs> this is even more crazy town. It, but it was insane, the first. Yeah. It is the first draft. I hate that it's on the internet. I wish I got a chance mm. to do a second draft for for the internet. Just We're even, sorry for covering it. <laughs> yeah, but but I mean, it's got a lot of 
crazy interesting stuff in it. I mean, I make, mm -hmm. but um, Tim, 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 and his was crazy. His vision was different, crazy. And we had we had two different visions for the movie, mm -hmm. and like this is after Batman Returns. This is after this is the two of us again. And again, like, you know, nobody wants him near another Batman movie. But um, but everybody loves Catwoman. Everybody loves the Catwoman character. So the idea of a Catwoman film, Warner Brothers, who can be jerks in other regard, they were all for <laughs> you and you, you and crazy Dan, you crazy, Tim, you and crazy Dan Waters, you go off and do a Catwoman movie. You, you boys, you have fun. <laughs> and Tim wanted to do, like, almost a straight up black and white, like $12 million budget um, of, of Michelle, of Selena Kyle going away to a small town, like going away to back to her hometown and they're getting creepy and weird and things happening. And he wanted to be like the movie cat people. And mm -hmm. he, and he, he, he loved the energy of the movie kid with a whip. Mm -hmm. So I ended up like making Anne Margaret, modeling the character of Selena's mother after Anne Margaret. Wow. But but I had a whole other vision. I wanted to make a Batman movie without the problem of Batman, like, you know, without people telling me, criticizing me there's not enough Batman movies. So I did a big epic verse of her escaping to her hometown, like in Arizona. I wanted the complete West Coast, sunny West Coast opposite of Gotham City. And it's and the city's run by three dashing male superheroes and Selena Kyle doesn't have anything to do with it. She just wants to leave her little life working in a casino with her mom. And then, and then shit gets crazy. These guys are fascists. I superheroes, the superheroes running the city as villains. That's me, baby. I, I was on the ground <laughs> for that one. Mm -hmm. But, and, and then it ends up like she inspires the entire City, the women, the women of the entire city, Fellini City of Women style, to dress up like their own versions of Catwoman, mm -hmm. and they kind of attack the city and and defeat the superheroes, and it's all fun and games and all a bunch of craziness. And there was some good lines, and I I think I'm still waiting for my note session because being, <laughs> it was like. Tim just Tim. I gave him an outline and spelled everything out. But Tim, and I was waiting for notes on the outline, and Tim never mm -hmm. gave me notes on the outline. And then finally, the producer said, "Just go and write it." So I just went and wrote it, and I still haven't really thought her back. I just know that 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 was not his vision. So I thought, like, at least we'd have a meeting to try and blend our visions together. But we never even had that meeting. I think he just was off in his. He realized even though he loved Batman Returns, that he wanted to, he didn't want to do another movie that big and crazy. Mm -hmm. And mm. You know, that even without Batman, it's still a Batman movie and he wanted to move on. And, and like he, it's not like he went through, like when it came time to arbitrate the Catwoman Halle Berry movie, I got a truck backing up in my house and dumping dumping 80 scripts on my front door and it had 36 names of writers. I was the first name Jesus. Mm. and there was 36 writers later. There was actually ended up being a friend of mine. He got credit, John Brigado and his writing partner, Michael Ferris. And, um, but 
had nothing to do with my script and they had nothing to do with Tim Burton and Tim Burton and Tim Burton. It's not like Tim Burton monitored the following drafts of Catwoman. I think he just went out at that point. So mm-hmm. it was just kind of too crazy for the room, but I know Michelle, I ran into Michelle Pfeiffer at a Hollywood function and she just looked at me like she wanted a two tic-tac-toe on my face. <laughs> Check like I was Lee Harvey Oswald responsible for everything. Like, there was no third gunman on the grassy knoll. It was all me. That I that my 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 outlandishness and taking too long to write the script is what killed the project. So she's like, "How could you, Dan?" So I had that bullet in my gut to live with. Oh Jeez. man! Okay. So thanks a lot, Ben. Start <laughs> bringing uh, this one up. Oh man. <laughs> Unluminated poontang all over again. Well, we're going to be continuing on this thread a little more. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Salt in the wound. Is, is it me next? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Were there any other actors you had in mind for the characters in that script, like Captain God? Oh, uh, my God. Wow, you're really shaming with these names. I was going to change the names. I was going to change the fucking names. I was going to change the fucking names. Oh, they were just placeholders, huh? Okay. Okay, all right. God well, damn uh, fucking internet. So we didn't have the internet the first time around. Right, um, all right. I did think Alec Baldwin was going to play one of the... He was mm. still young enough that he was going to play the head. He was going to play Captain God, I think. God. Like uh, one of the head okay. superheroes. Yeah. And it's got Michelle Yeoh's uh, name for Spooky in the script as well, I think, at one point. Oh, oh do I actually off. say... Oh, well, that's... that's Boy, I'm... Again, you're saving me with my own brilliance, but... Okay. <laughs> Which would have been fantastic casting at that point. The two Michelles fighting each other mm. would have been fantastic. Oh God, I'm genius. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Well, you know, I mean, God, you know, it was, it's too bad. I mean, I think we could have got the script somewhere. Like I just think, hmm. you know, it became an. A, I didn't get an F. I got an incomplete. Like you know. <laughs> oh man, so. uh you know, talking about your your genius once again, uh, <laughs> in light of your portrayal of evil superheroes for the cult of good in your Catwoman script, have you had a chance to watch the boys, and do you find them to be similar in theme at all? The boys is fantastic. I love the boys. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't say, hey, they're ripping off my Catwoman script, everybody. Like, you know, <laughs> definitely they take it to a whole new level and it's a whole, but I mean, that would, that's what I was going for. Okay. Yeah. God forbid, you know, sometimes it's all about timing. Like nobody wants to, you know, I always use the example of judge Reinhold and Beverly Hills cop in the climax of the movie. He says, everyone put down their guns, you're under arrest. And then the entire castle starts shooting at him (laughs) and, and he runs and ducks for cover. And then later on, when Eddie Murphy's gone inside and started shooting people, he's, he does it again, and everybody gives away, gives down their weapons. It's all about timing. Mm. A strange, strange cinematic metaphor, but, um, but, yeah, like sometimes I need. We obviously need another twenty years of superheroes to exist and infect our consciousness before a great satire could come. Like I was, I was satirizing it before it even was when it was still fresh. 
Like let 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 American superheroes have their honeymoon period period before Waters comes in and slaps the people around. Like, I mean, I let twenty, I let fifty years of high school movies happen before I came in with Heather's. So it's like, got to learn, got to learn. It is cool though to read these in the context of you know the twenty twenties right now too, and and to already be used to that and to be like, oh, like I can see, I could see this working now. And also seeing how Warner Brothers and audiences were not prepared for that in the 90s uh, yes. at the same time, unfortunately. Thank you. Uh, so one thing that I wanted to ask you is for, I don't know if you heard about this, there is a Batman 89 comic series. And there are a few things in there that you might find familiar because a lot of it is based off of unmade things that did not get to be part of the uh get to be part of the movie so one of those is uh we got marlon waynes as that mechanic robin with the r on his oh, suit oh really yeah those uh, bastards <laughs> joke with no uh over here he does drive the batmobile too with batman in the passenger seat which is another thing that you had um and damn we've also got <laughs> harvey dent getting scarred and flipping a coin to decide whether or not to uh, be part of the action and then getting the scarred side up though where whereas i know i think you said in an interview or with us. Oh, oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's right. I forgot. He does flip the coin and it's just the benign side. And he decides then, not to. Yeah. Part, you know, leading you to think in the sequel, he's going to get the other side. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, of course, it has your Catwoman uh, in that as well, with uh, art all here by uh, Joe Quinones. Um, but I, I, I will say. Hey, you know, they... Wesley, that neon wasn't yours. That was mine, baby. <laughs> that wasn't Tim Burton. Hello. Hello there, hell here. That's all me, baby. Yep. <laughs> Very true. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I wanted uh, to sort of so show these to you. These Wait, are actually... So, uh, so hell here is in a comic book? It is on the cover of issue five on this one. Motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> along with your Selena Kyle, Joe Quinones is a huge fan of the Burton movies. Uh, he's the artist on this, and he deliberately drew one tidbit um that i'm gonna say in a future because I, I do video essays on this but he deliberately has eight stitches on her costume for the eight lives uh that she got lost in batman returns so oh, that leaves me for the ninth so that's a little easter oh. you put in Naughty uh, boy. <laughs> yeah uh the writer is actually uh sam ham on this one uh so oh sam yeah well, sam's all, sam's all, sam's all, sam's a true gentleman sam would Sam's never talked. I've talked shit about this. <laughs> Sam is such above me. He's a, more of a gentleman, but yeah, he. I, I don't know what. I think he. He he looks at my draft of Batman Returns compared to his draft of Batman Returns is like, oh, so you went that way, okay? <laughs> like like I mean I I don't know his that I can't imagine his actual opinion is great, but he's been he's very cool about it. I think. In reading this, it is Ham taking a crack at your version of Catwoman. And I do, you know, I I, I love Sam Ham. We'll bring him on at some point. We we have gone through his scripts as well. And, and I've gone through, of course, this comic series for the show. But in reading it, I will say there is really only one man who can write Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman. And that's you. Oh, shit, Ben, you bad boy. All right. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you, Ben. You, you slap with one hand and you, 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 you pat with the other. All right. Oh, All right. man. Uh, so I think, Andrew, okay. you want to do this uh, this section here. 
Yeah, so we're we're actually, I think, leaving Batman and Catwoman talk, and now we're entering into our miscellaneous section, our final section. Oh, miscellaneous final section. I I thought I was here all night. (laughs) (laughs) We're almost done. So, (laughs) um, kidnap me like me kidnapping Robert Wolf. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) In an interview with Money Into Light, you mentioned that you had a meeting on Spider Man. Did Burton ever try to recruit you for his Superman movie? Oh no, the Superman movie that was that was a, I think that was after Batman Returns and Catwoman. Mm-hmm. So okay. I think I I so our our lines of communication were not that not that brisk right then. I think I, okay. I, I and, and I think I might even mention that Superman bores the shit out of me. So I. <laughs> I, I i was oh my god i forgot the name of your podcast i'm so sorry i, I got some dissing superheroes superhero stuff you should know <laughs> no, it's like hey you guys don't like superman do you come on um we have uh, a whole series planned i mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean is there is there anything worse than spinning that world around and making time come back come on <laughs> worst thing that's ever been in the movie all right anyway but but okay but yeah, no, I was not asked to do Superman. Um, I would love to do a straight up Fellini movie, Tim, like about his childhood. Like, I think I could write a great one of those, like and really make an arm accord for Tim that, that would be, that would bring us back together. But I don't think we'll be doing any superhero movies, either of us. Like a, like a biopic about Tim Burton himself. Yes. Okay. But, but like with, with like an epic. That's cool. Yeah. Highly stylized kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Although That's not cool. not that he hasn't dealt with his childhood before, but. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and can you tell us if you have any involvement or you've had any involvement with the current DCEU, the current DC movies or the Marvel movies at all? I got a note saying I'm allowed to see them. You're allowed to see them. <laughs> yes, I'm allowed to pay to see them in a theater. That's as good. <laughs> that's as good as I'll get. I don't think they want me near the actual construction of them anymore. McDonald's is not as big as it was in the nineties, I think. So you're good. <laughs> yeah. But, and, and I, and I helped Taco Bell with demolition man, but come on. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, there's definitely no, no communication from DC or Marvel that my phone, my phone may not be working. Let me check. Hold on. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. No, I don't think, I don't think so. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, that that joke I've been doing forever of like the, that when people say when right after Batman Returns are they going to let you do another Batman Returns movie I go they're not even going to let me see another Batman movie <laughs> yeah. God the problem with that happened with McDonald's is that why you, you propped up Taco Bell so much in, De- De- in Demolition Man that's <laughs> right well, one by one I'm going to come back at you like <laughs> Arby's the movie. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Taco Bell is featured. It's the only, it's the only you, restaurant that exists in the future, right? Yeah, you motherfucker's <laughs> gonna pay Mickey D. <laughs> oh man, that's yeah. great. I never, I never put that together, but that's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, I mean, it still, still makes me crack up. Like that, we're the dark one. Like when now everyone knows what they're getting into. Like, you know, no mm-hmm. one's, no one says, 
Ooh, the Batman was so much darker than I thought it was going to be. It, it's playing Nirvana <laughs> in the trailer, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Yet they I, still get mad at that fish and that button nose bite. Yeah, right. I can that imagine. That one's not yours either, right? Or was that Strick? No. Oh, no. The nose bite and the fish is mine. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I don't, this is could be last worse. last question. We talked about <laughs> Demolition Man a few times through this whole uh, episode here, uh, and I wanted to say, man, I I I saw this. I'm I'm 38 now. I'm going to be 38 in a month. I saw this when I was a kid. Absolutely loved Demolition Man. Saw it several times. My brothers and I actually went through a cryogenic fra- phase as kids, where we what? saw that was our first time seeing because we were young. It was our first time seeing cryogenically frozen anything in a movie. Oh, wow. And it captured our imagination. So we had this whole phase, this whole summer, where we would freeze our action figures just to kind of see them frozen. Freezing Batman, oh freezing God, this. That's freezing. Touching. Yeah, we loved it, man. And there's been rumors that there is a sequel. So are you at liberty to say anything about i'm at liberty to say that warner brothers will still won't call me but um (laughs) okay uh, okay yeah no but we i had some sequel id like like i had if if they watched this podcast they didn't have some sequel thoughts um i heard they're doing something with like a clones of 50 wesley snipes but um but um yeah i had to i had to i I, because you know there was a whole thing of stallone in that film looking for his lost daughter who is supposedly like if you did the math his daughter was older than he was now mm-hmm. in cryogenics but but we ended up we ended up shooting a scene with his older actress where they touchingly meet and it was great and but it slowed the movie down so we cut it so then the test okay. screens everyone thought every, everyone thought sandra bullock was going to turn out to be his daughter so during the love scenes they would all go oh, <laughs> oh and then so it was very funny. But then when Joel Silver said for the sequel, we didn't do anything with the daughter. We ended up not doing anything with the daughter in the movie for the sequel. We'll get Meryl Streep or Glenn Close. Okay. To play the daughter. And like, and then she turns out she's the villain of the whole society. I'm like, sounds good. I just know that. I just know I got the teaser. The teaser is Stallone walking into a toilet. With the three seashells. The three seashells. He just turns back to camera. Don't you want to know? Closes the door and then <laughs> Demolition Demol- Demol- Man Fall Twenty Twenty Four everywhere. Was that that was never uh what like uh, how the three seashells work? That was never really figured out, right? It's purposefully ambiguous. Purposely amb- ambiguous. Yeah, I had my friend Larry Kierzewski, the writer of it, another co-writer of it, with that I brought up earlier. That that I was I was I wrote most of Demolition Man in line for one of the last episodes of Johnny Carson. I had spent 20 hours in line. So I yeah. brought my index cards and did most of the writing. But I called them up from the line and I said, I need some futuristic shit. Like, <laughs> like, like help me out with some future stuff. We're going to talk about He's like, can, can I call you back? I'm taking a shit right now. And I, go, <laughs> and I go, oh, this is great. This is great. Well, give me some bathroom stuff. Let's come up with some bathroom stuff. Let's brainstorm. He's like, dude, I'm not going to talk about this. I, my, my wife keeps a bag of seashells next to my toilet, though. I go, I'll work with that. <laughs> That's amazing. Huh. But wow. But I've had people come up with me with their theories of how it works. Like I had to tell for jury duty, I had to say I was a screenwriter and give it my give the judge my credits. And the bailiff, the female bailiff comes up to me afterwards and is like, 
I think I know how the seashells work. <laughs> and she's like, one opens your butt and the other pulls out. You can pull out the excrement <laughs> with the other one. I'm like, ladies, does this get me off the jury? <laughs> Some of Amazing. Stallone's lines in that too, even as a kid, I would kind of felt like they're, you could tell he, I don't know if you wrote him or not, but like you can tell there's a little bit Republican twinge to him. I didn't know that I was that movie was going to end up being like the libertarian Bible. Like, you know, <laughs> I have like, there's a lot of YouTube videos where they talk about like that Demolition Man is the great anti politically correct um, manifesto for the true. And I'm like, Ugh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh. Like, there's a line in the movie, you can't take away people's rights to be assholes, which I thought was a great line. I like that line. But nowadays, I'm like, eh, it'd be great if we had less assholes. <laughs> right, 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 right. Oh, man. It's been a pleasure. This has yes. been a pleasure. Yes. Uh, right. one, one, one last thing before we take off is uh, I wanted to thank you for uh, not just Batman Returns and coming on the show, but um, I wanted to share one thing before we let you go, which is that, um, you know, I've considered batman returns to sort of be the you know if batman 89 was the film of my childhood batman returns was kind of the the film of my adolescence of of my teens even though there was obviously a very short time in between but i i didn't really get it on vhs until i was in my teens i rewatched it religiously and i found that it was the only film i saw that betrayed the feeling of loneliness across its three leads and specifically the ending, you know, I grew up on Disney movies and James Bond and even the first Batman film. Usually hero gets the girl at the end and Batman Returns showed something different. And the ending that you wrote where Bruce is alone, I felt as a teen, ah, now there's a hero I can connect with. And that's oh, kind wow. of how oh, the general, cool. you know, I, I had a general fan love for Batman and it kind of turned into a bigger emotional connection to the character oh, and what that... led to this podcast from that ending that you wrote. So, oh, my God. Uh, he, does he say did he say the same thing to Joel Schumacher when he was on? <laughs> Unfortunately, we couldn't get him on, but if we can dump into a Lazarus oh, pit, I can tell yeah. him something else uh, about well, that. Thank you, Ben. That's that's great. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, I get you know, I get punished for don't pretend this isn't a happy ending. This is a happy ending from a lot of people, but um yeah, no, I I think you know, it's like with most great love stories also they don't end up together a lot of them times and like it's it's i think it's the resonance is the key like it isn't like you know i think all the marvel climaxes are the same now with people fighting a giant vortex and like I think, you know that keeping it intimate was an interesting way to go yeah absolutely so thank you for batman returns and thank you for helping a, a lonely kid feel less alone years ago oh geez i do my best <laughs> thank, thank you, you. Uh, all right all buddy right. That is superhero stuff you should know. Big thanks to our research assistant, Dan, for bringing the visuals for the YouTube experience in this interview. And uh, let's go on to the fan comments. So this first one is from Camden about the Batman 89 audiobook, saying, Eddie the Mugger is actually wearing an I Love Gotham City shirt in the film, oh, as awesome. is the Taurus son, Jimmy. Now, out of 30-plus years of watching this movie, I just never noticed that Dan told me he had to like really pause <laughs> at this point to get these screenshots for us. I'm Look, just like, I've never you, seen this. <laughs> if you make shirts out there, I mean, people make like licensed shit all the time and sell it somehow on, yeah. on the internet. 
Like this is this is an idea, guys. This is amazing. <laughs> I haven't seen this yet. Yeah. Warner Brothers. Somebody at Warner Brothers, look, just sell this shirt. Just do this. You know? Yeah. 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 There's, there's bound to be the original design somewhere out yeah. there. But yeah, the, this is awesome. Thank you, Camden, for that. Uh, next comes from Zacanthos Diamandis. Nice. Sorry if I mispronounced that. Um, but we talked about how in the novelization by Craig Shaw Gardner, there's like a lot of boom shaka laka laka in the uh, in place of Prince. And so Zacanthos is saying it's from a 1988 song, Walk the Dinosaur, by Was Not yes. Was which coincidentally was featured in the 1989 movie, The Dream Team, starring Michael Keaton. The movie was heavily inspired by One Who Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, starring, of course, Jack Nicholson. And uh, Coriolanus Quincy chimes in. It's originally from Sly and the Family Stones, I Want to Take You Higher. I always assumed Gardner threw that in because of people often note Sly's influence on Prince. Interesting. Interesting tidbits from both of you. Thank you. That's awesome. Uh, and then the last one comes from Coriolanus again, saying the back of the Toy Biz figures package says Bob's real name is, wait for it, Robert Crazy Bob Capistrano. <laughs> so that's interesting. <laughs> Crazy uh, Bob. In in the script, in the novelization, it's just Bob Hawkins, but apparently they, they did not read the script when they did the Toy Biz, so they just came up with no, Capistrano as that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so those are the, the fan comments for this for this. Wow. Week. Great stuff okay. from our audience. We have we we love we have some of the best fans, honestly, because a lot of you guys Man. chime in with stuff that even we didn't know. Well, especially you, Ben. Like I'm just learning what the audience like you are most of the time. I mean, like 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 I learn like the I'm learning from you, like the audience mm. is more than likely. But the audience knows like knows a shitload, man. It's it's yeah. crazy. It's great. Yeah. Great. Thank you guys. All, All right. right. Over so, the shout outs. All right. So yeah, we want to thank everybody that uh is part of our patreon here up on the board here are people that have donated to the dollar tier or higher and we want to thank some of our newcomers let's thank josh m benjamin v chris f michael s metageek chuck atwt yuli and chris r and we have other supporters as well up on the board and they uh have helped us out in uh in other ways as well uh, to get on the board, you need to get on the $1 tier at patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod and, uh, or higher. And the higher ones would be uh, the $5 tier, which gets you the whole other, a whole other show. So this show that you're watching now is every Monday and this is for free on YouTube. And then we have a whole other show, $5 a month, cancel anytime up on the patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. And, uh, you can binge the whole thing if you want. It uh, doesn't matter uh, to us. Uh, so, yeah, and then it gets you the, a shout-out on the board as well. And then we have a $10 tier, which is the monthly meetup show uh, where we meet with listeners and fans, and uh, it's kind of like a Zoom-like call with people, and we have a topic to discuss and things like that. So that's a $10 tier. Uh, and uh, any, like, above tier gets you any uh, uh, all the benefits from the lower tier as well. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, check that out. That's uh, patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. We have merch, uh, superhousepod.redbubble.com and superhero stuff pod.threadless.com. Ben Man, Zacula, Indeed Wizard, mug, shirts, shower curtains, and all the rest. Uh, artwork by Stefan Santa Cruz. Please send us some audio. Uh, and uh, you can send that to superhousepodcast at gmail.com. I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. Thunderwolf lives on YouTube uh, when I'm not on this channel. 
and I'm uh, thunderwolfdrew.com has my whole portfolio. I do behind the scenes photography and videography for a practical effects studio in Los Angeles. And uh, you can see my photos there and my, uh, you know, my, some uh, selects from my YouTube channel as well. Uh, like pretty much like a curated collection of all the stuff I do uh, is there at thunderwolfdrew.com. Amanorecon.com, A-M-A-N-O-R-E-C-O-N.com. This is an original idea that is heavily inspired by Power Rangers, X-Files, and Stranger Things. Mix those together. Make it R-rated. You have this sh uh, show. Uh, we're still working on it. Uh, we have a 17-second teaser at Amanorecon.com. And uh, we're going to be premiering a, like a four-minute campaign video that will be for Indiegogo. Uh, and that is to get funds to shoot something that will be 23 minutes. The pilot can might get expensive because, guess what, there'll be martial arts in it. <laughs> and so mm. the stunts, stunts are not going to be cheap. So that's where, I'm just going to tell you right now, that's going to be a big part of that budget. Um, so people, I say this because people think that it's going to be a, a, a feature and that would be sweet, but you know, whatever, whatever money we get, we're going to have to put like a lot of, like a lot of money. Maybe that would be an indie feature into being a 23 minute thing. Okay. So, uh, anyway, yeah, I'm on a recon. Uh, this artwork is by Zach. That's it for me, Ben. Shout out to Comic Capital on Instagram as well as the Everything Entertainment Club on Clubhouse. You can follow us on social media on Twitter. We're at Superhouse Pod. Uh, Instagram, Superhero Stuff Pod. TikTok, Superhero Stuff Pod. Vero, Superhero Stuff Pod. My website is benwanrider.com where you can read my Gotham script, Gotham Vampire, where Bruce faces off against the Mad Monk, as well as my script, Elementary, The Death of Sherlock Holmes, a modern update on the classic story, The Adventure of the Dying Detective, and Curb Your Enthusiasm, Disneyland, the Curb episode they could never make, where Larry David goes to Disneyland. Uh, my YouTube channel is in the description below, where you can also check out Doctor Who, The Ronin of Time, an audio drama I write, narrate, and edit, where the Eighth Doctor meets Miyamoto Musashi in ancient Japan. My personal Instagram is Ben Juan Ryder. My son's Instagram, Alfie, is at Alfie Pennyworth Cat. That is uh, my cat, Alfie. And uh, if you have a cat, an Alfie, a peanut, any sort of cat, any sort of feline, you can also get the, the whisker box, the only cat box with a crazy cat lady and gent. And if you don't have a cat, but you have a dog instead, that's cool too. You can get the bark box, y'all. Give your dog exactly what they want with the bark box. You can get the promo link in our description and you can use that to get the first month off free valued at $35. You can also get that link over at superhero stuff, slash shop. You can get all sorts of stuff. You can get a Keaton Funko. You can get the Batman giant history book from the 80th anniversary by Andrew Farrago and Gina McIntyre that has some of the concept art that we showed you in this episode, including the uh, Robin on the ski boat type of thing that shocked even Daniel Waters that it existed. So <laughs> that's, that's in there. Uh, and last but not least, Manscaped. Guys, Woo! get 20% off plus free shipping by using the promo code Johnson's Ballsack at manscaped.com <laughs> to make your dick. Gets me, it gets me every bigger. time. It gets me every time. <laughs> <laughs> So, even Daniel Waters knows that we sells this. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, yeah, please uh Johnson's Ballsack at manscaped.com. It does not have to be the platinum package by the way. It can no, be any product. Not at all. Yeah, it could be any product cuz I've been asked about this too. It could be any product on manscaped.com using this promo code. No matter what you order, 20% off plus free shipping. Indeed. You just can't have your burly bush 
outside of your underoos. You got to keep that shit in check. Mm-hmm. So get, keep it in check with the Platinum Package or whatever else you want to get from Manscaped. Yes. So, yeah. Um, and it, it's, it's, it's a little strange to do a Batman 89 quote on this one. So, you know, I just got to give it up again. Unlimited Poontang, everybody. <laughs> we'll play the stinking city like a harp from hell. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.